Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast as usual. I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and we told you we're not going to leave you. It's the off season. This podcast runs throughout the off season. It is once a week, twice a week in the regular season, once a week in the off season as usual. Me soldier in crying. Um, that's a Dublin accent for all the people who aren't from Ireland and people who are from Ireland they're probably telling me shut the hell up it's at IT underscore hedgehog it's Peter Jones on Twitter Pete what's going on buddy <laughs> I just had to do it. I just Which had to, I, I can't. I can't go too many days without without us doing quick snaps. So. No, I'm. I'm good. How are you? I'm grand. I did say I was going to get a quick snaps mega mix, and that is coming for all the people with withdrawal symptoms. But you've got a point there, Pete. Maybe at the start of every podcast, we should just do this. If people are new listeners, what is that? Go find out. Not going to tell you. Um. So anyway, Pete. This these are the off-season ones, so they're a bit more relaxed. We can kind of delve into some statage, I guess. Not too heavily and not to bore people. Um, and we're not going to come up with something contrived. Like, do you know what? And this is a podcast <laughs> that I never released, and I've just started thinking about it. This isn't perceived impromptu. It is impromptu. Um, I think it was an off-season, and it was particularly devoid of news. I guess we still have a bit to talk about, but don't we? Like Super Bowl and, you know, how the season went and all this type of stuff. And hopefully people don't switch off and they still want to hear about Packers. Um you know, because some people, they say that when it gets to the end of the season, they're like, cool, switching off. But I did a podcast before, and this is not a word of a lie. It was called Size Matters. And do you know what it was about, Pete? Do you want to guess? I, 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 I'm, too sc- <laughs> I'm too scared. I'm too scared to guess. Yeah, you see, you're thinking pants. But the thing is, Pete, it was about hand size. And I was going into... Honestly, I did a whole... I sat down for a whole afternoon and did research into hand size and how that translates into the nfl and the quarterbacks with the biggest hands mixed with accuracy um and i think i came to the conclusion it doesn't matter (laughs) after all that but you know what sometimes a negative result is a result all the same so that's the type of off-season content that can be produced but we're going to try avoid that pete aren't we i mean this podcast throughout the off-season is going to be nice little ditties um some nice light humor and maybe some statage looking back, looking into the future, talking free agency, talking salary cap and all the like. It's going to be fun times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely is. And uh, whilst we look back onto last season, the next season starts right here. And you know what? You know what I'm going to do, Pete, actually? And I hadn't planned this. And of course, we hadn't discussed this. And I feel like every time we say this, people are going to think, yes, you have discussed it. But I'm just going to hit clown of the week's thing because I want to talk about something. <laughs> Now, this is something that we, we've just... I went on a rant before the podcast, and I will bring that in, but I'm going to dive into Packer stuff straight away and Clown of the Week straight away because I know this is probably going to arc you as well um, if you saw it. We spoke about the veteran players getting into the Hall of Fame and the, sort of the older players and who had a shot, and you rightly predicted that Bobby Dylan was in with a good shot um, because was it... Who, who was on the committee, Ron Wolf, And you were saying he was a massive... Yeah, Ron yeah. Wolf was yeah, one of the... Um, voters and yeah huge huge bobby dylan fan yeah so he ended up getting in which was great right 
and he's an older player uh, so people don't really know a whole lot about him they just kind of regurgitate what they read online um i think i did a podcast on on bobby dylan before there's there's hundreds of podcasts out there now just search uk packers on itunes so bobby dylan he got elected to the pro football hall of fame and as part of his announcement because he's you know an older player and i don't know how much of his family um is still around to you know cause a big hoopla about it but the pro football hall of fame official twitter account used a segment that they did on good morning football gmfb um i think it was what's your man's name uh Sh- peter schrager and he yeah. did a sting about it right so number one in the official tweet where they announced that he got in which was great for me because i've got a picture of bobby dylan hanging up here in the podcast studio is that they announced his name was bobby dillian so spelled his name wrong also the video sting he said that he was born uh with one eye um so how wonderful is that pete you get elected to the pro football hall of fame yeah you, you know maybe your family is out there sort of delving into it they get your name wrong and t- say that you were born with only one eye which is erroneous because he injured his eye it it said two childhood accidents yes i mean yeah, peter the first uh, how can you have two childhood accidents on one eye do you know any detail about the actual accident or is that just floating out there um so i saw i saw um an interview posted with Bobby Dylan a few a few years back, uh, um, and one of them was something to do with um, his father working on I I, I want to say a lathe, some kind of uh, tool of some kind, and 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 he ended up with with shards of metal or something in his eye. I don't know whether that was the second or the first of the of the two accidents, and I can't remember the detail of the other one, so I'm waffling a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, how, un- how unlucky can you get to have, t- I guess, two very serious accidents in the same eye? Um, it could have been worse. It could have been different eyes. <laughs> well, kind of thinking, eh, I, probably not as good I, as a career. Well, I, I guess so. And, and yeah, like you say, he, the, I mean, they, they removed the eye in the end at, when I think he was just 10, 10 years old uh, and, and replaced it with a, with a glass eye. So, you know, spent the rest of his life fantastic football career and the rest of his life with with just the one eye so bobby dylan like i mean you could you would wonder people wouldn't you um and this has all of a sudden become the bobby dylan podcast but i'm okay <laughs> I'm, I'm there for this uh, is that would he have been as successful with both eyes you know because he was so good with one did that drive him on to be a better player and to go into it uh with one eye i guess we'll never know um would jerry kramer be as good if he didn't have you know 17 inch splinter in his intestine this pete we will never know Oh, I guess that stuff does drive people on. What's what's um, interesting? So, so Bobby Dylan, you know, played played safety. His the the safety playing next to him on the same team, Val Joe Walker. He'd got fingers missing on one of his hands. <laughs> oh Jesus! And Bobby Dylan's dad was babysitting, obviously at that stage <laughs> so, also. Um, and I think um, you need to check with your man that wrote the um, Johnny Blood book, Ralph. Uh, Ralph. I, I, I'm sure I saw a comment from him one time, either on Facebook or somewhere, where he where he he used to have a nickname for the pair of them oh, really? playing together. One of them with one eye, and one of them with fingers. With yeah. And do you know what the nickname was? No, no, no. That's the, that's the useless bit about my my comment there. I have no clue. I can't remember. <laughs> you're like the guy who starts a joke, and you're like, oh, no, I forgot I the punchline. You're gonna have to look I it up. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because it's weird though, isn't it? The, the same year that Bobby Dylan got voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, his dad got voted the worst babysitter of all time. I mean, that's 
That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, the stats might cut that out in the edit. If not, it makes it. And there you go for your for your audio, your audio pleasure. Um, so anyway, we can't really go on. And it's not. And again, I say this with sort of a caveat here. Um, awful news about Kobe Bryant. Dear God, I knew didn't watch a lick of basketball. Uh, don't care about basketball. Tried to watch it a couple of times. So boring. Um, but again, he was a generational talent. He did an awful lot for the game. And just the circumstances of his death was shocking too. And just the untold tragedy of the other passengers on board. Um, Pete, you're not a big basketball man either, are you? But it still hit particularly hard when that news broke. Yeah, no, it, it really did. And no, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big basketball, basketball man. I guess I, I grew up with you know, Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and, the, and those guys. But, but you know, I couldn't have told you who was on the roster for the LA Lakers or whoever it might be. So I'm not a big basketball fan, but I, I guess that he's one of those sportsmen that kind of transcends the sport that they play. Yeah. You know, and there's a few of those in, in a number of sports. And, and, you know, those of us that are keen, mad about America sports, obviously, um, know know who he who he is and his, his impact on on the game and it's just a it is it's a it's a personal tragedy for you know obviously for him and his family um his wife and and and, and his daughters and 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 a, and a tragedy for all of those in, involved and um yeah there's just just a few words really it's just one of those sh- shocking things that i think you know when the news started coming out was just just shocked us all yeah, and this is the rant that I went on in pre-production. I don't know who this is going to benefit because I'm sure all of the listeners that we have to the podcast are all, you know, lovely, responsible people who also... We should, you know what we should do? Create a bit of a, a support group where we all just delete our social media at the same time. I mean, I'm there for it. But the thing is, this this was a terrible tragedy. And this is the type of world that has been created by social media. ABC News releasing that all of his daughters were on board, which is just abominable the fact that such a rush to get the news out there that they would you know even remark something like that if it isn't true you know like you'll have reputable news sites that can't release certain details because they don't have a corroborated it seems in this social media world official blue ticked outlets never mind tmz which is you know i mean that is the bum of um news uh outlets you know what i mean that's where all the waste comes out but like you know abc coming out and saying that it was the entire family um or just him and his daughters we're talking about you know young girls that that's distressing to people reading it and also any type of family members also the stuff about tmz broke it with the other news websites before the police could tell uh kobe bryant's family which is disgusting i mean and then on top of all of that um who has to jump on the bandwagon celebrities and what did they end up doing like there's this thing about where were you when jfk was shot and people say oh i was here and this is what i remember because it's it's that huge moment in in history and this is one of those moments as well now some people aren't into basketball i'm not into basketball either are going to be like oh well look that was a presidential assassination this is human tragedy as well this is unbelievable it's so bad and what were celebrities doing at the time the news was breaking? They were looking through their camera roll to put out pictures of them and, and Kobe Bryant. You know, I mean, lads, leave it a day. I understand there's anecdotes out there 
that people might want to hear. Uh, one that springs to mind is when the stories broke after George Michael's death, that he was donating to all these charities and what a nice guy he was. You know, I like that people know that and that he didn't put it out publicly and this is someone coming out for him. But I don't think there's any need for someone to put out a picture of themselves with the guy just to say that they knew him or something, just to try get a bit of that. To make that news almost about themselves is just ridiculous. You know, and then sort of on top of all that then, you know, other people on Twitter are saying, well, like, I know everyone's going to talk about Kobe and, you know, his poor daughter, but don't forget about the other people. It's a human trial. We don't need to be told that. It is shocking news for all of the families involved. You know, and I feel like these people are just saying this on social media just to get retweets by tweeting out the names and faces of, of these poor victims, you know. Not not everybody's like that, obviously. And it's not always that cynical. And it's a nice message to say, don't forget about the other people. And that is true, because an awful lot of these tragedies, like anything else, I mean, that came up, Pete, didn't it, with the Aaron Hernandez case? That people seem to forget about Odin Lloyd and just go about Hernandez and start talking about all of the stuff that sort of surrounded him. Um, and Odin Lloyd's family came out and said, well, you're dragging us into it again and reopening these wounds, which is true. But, you know, some 15 year old on Twitter saying, don't forget about and just using people's names to get retweets. This is the world that we live in. Um, and this is it just it's self-perpetuating. This is why we have such bad news media now is because they're scrambling to get it out there before Joe Bloggs gets it out there first. Is if that matters, who cares? Awful tragedy and just the, the aftermath of it. Apart from all the beautiful tributes from from all the people, um, this sort of you know race for clout and Instagram likes is just pretty abhorrent, to be honest. Yeah, it's it it's sad, and it is, is a reflection of of where we are today. And I think that you know, I when this kind of thing happens, I think to agree you want you know you want to stay away from social media even more than you, you know we normally would because this is a case for letting the let, letting the media do do their do their job such as it is and yes uh, you know the the tributes and that are, are you know great and, and and those need to be those need to come out and stories of some of the great things that he may have done, the charities that he may have worked with and, and that kind of thing. But I think any more than that is, I just feel like it's unnecessary at that time. Mm. Um, uh, you know, because you or I or, or, or anybody's not gone on to social media and tweeted how bad we feel about it. doesn't mean that we feel any less bad about it than somebody that has gone on there and, and, and tweeted about it. And, I don't know. Sometimes, I guess I guess people see it as an outlet. Sometimes I don't. I, yeah, which is fair enough, right? It's kind of everyone supporting themselves, which is fine. If someone retweets, I can't believe it. That's fine. Yeah, you know, and everyone's yeah. sort of getting together and sharing memories. Uh, but when you see the more cynical side of things about people just trying to ride the back off a tragedy to say, "Oh, look, I, you know, I know, I know famous people," you're like, "Oh, give me a break." Oh. The world we live in, Pete. Yeah. Um, it, it it is, and I, and I, and it's it's you know it, the 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 story is what it is. It's a it's a human tragedy for for all of those families, and and friends of you know of, of those people lost. It's it's just a it's just a terrible human tragedy. 
Yeah, and what's crazy is is that, and again, this, I guess this is the last we're saying it, but the news cycle will roll on, you know, and uh, him as a fantastic player and, and all of this type of stuff, what he gave to the game will be immortalised. But then, you know, the the other people involved in the tragedy, the thing is, if he wasn't on, the, on that helicopter, this would be a tragedy, you know, that would barely make the news. And it's just horrible the way life has a way of just moving on. And then nobody talks about it yet. These people are living in this predicament. I can't even imagine. Um, and I know people have come out and said as a father, they, they can't, you know, comprehend it, get their head around it. Um, and I think whether you're a father or not, if you're human at all, um, and you have any bit of empathy, it's just, it's just beggar's belief. Um, I know it's very hard to segue um, into our podcast after that type of tragedy, but I guess... I just felt it needed to be raised, you know, like this, it's just some, uh, anyway, 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 so. Well, no, I think, no, I think you're right. And I think that, um, I, I, I you know, I think, we're, you know, we're not on here daily. So I think, I think it's only right that the, the, the biggest American, I was going to say sports story, the biggest American news story of the week, it, you know, it, it's, it's only right that we, that we mention it. And, and if you will give it, the story and those involved the right level of of respect um yeah. before we move on and talk about all things packer related yeah so uh i guess we'll do that now and this thing with the off season at least it gives us more time to to delve into stuff because during the season pete it, we kind of get caught up and i thought we like post review review post review review yeah. and we try to throw some snippets in the off season is going to be good to just delve in and people might get to know us a little bit better you know maybe pete is a is a massive fan of sugar donuts maybe he doesn't eat sugar donuts at all maybe he's never tasted <laughs> ribena before i mean this is what we're about to find out here pete what's the weirdest well, thing about you pete before we start well, all this packers thing go on hit me with that, it that's just what i will say is that's just kind of spooky because when i when i were a young lad at school oh, here we go right um, <laughs> my nickname was donut <laughs> <laughs> oh like old bag of donuts or because because i just loved donuts apparently really that was my favorite that was my favorite food yeah and is it still to this day Are, have you got all donut memorabilia at home have you got a donut no, no. room do you do donuts <laughs> no, no. in your car pete i mean is this what we're talking about <laughs> I, i've been known to have the odd crispy cream donut here and there but no it's um certainly not certainly not um not enough for me to carry on um, using the donut moniker, no. No. Well, there you go. There's your new Twitter handle, at ITDonuts, at uh, <laughs> Twitter.com. There you go. Yeah, Krispy Kreme, they ruin your car. If anybody wants to do donate any donuts to us, Steve, they're very welcome to. There's a, get, there's a play on words, donate, donate. There's something in there. <laughs> something in there. Um, but yeah, I guess, look, let's talk Packers. And I call this um, podcast, Let's Get Offensive. And some people might find my earlier um, sort of ramblings offensive because maybe they were tweeting it stupid stuff but uh, i don't know i don't know maybe you call them bobby dillian as well dilly dilly um so we're going to talk the packers offense and we're going to talk about the packers offensive performance um this season so pete let me recap for some peeps we were we got matt lafleur yay um he was sean mcveigh number two obviously uh called shanahan uh 1.4 version um update uh, and all the rest and what we expected was is somehow the fullback to be involved uh danny vitale see ya. so that didn't really happen uh danny vitale ended the season with 97 yards <laughs> receiving and uh do you know how many yards rushing um he did in 
I'm 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 going to say three yards. Steve. Three yards, exactly right. So we were promised fullback play and three yards. Now maybe they were really effective uh, yards. I'm not sure. Maybe those 97 yards, um, you know, receiving were fantastic. Then I think I do remember him catching a pretty important one early on in the season. I thought, oh, here we go. It's starting to emerge. But that didn't really materialize. And then we, we heard that the tight end position was going to be the be all and end all. And that didn't really happen as well, Pete. And I'd like to delve into why that didn't happen. Then we were told we were going to get bunch formations, slants, um, crossers, all that type of stuff, jet sweeps. Um, and again, we can delve into different parts of the season, I guess, where we did see some of the stuff in ample measure, but also where we didn't see it at all. And then the talking point is, is that we're devoid of talent at many positions. You know, if you look at wide receiver, a number two didn't really emerge and all of this good stuff. Um, but Pete, as advertised, the Matt LaFleur offense, did we see it in 2019? Um, I don't think we saw the offense that w- that's, that was advertised. Um, what I will say is that is that is that I kept hearing this thing before the season, and I guess this all started with the Matt Ryan from the Falcons, his quote or what he you know was reported as saying as how this off you know how the offense that he was running, um, Kyle Shanahan's offense back then with Lafleur, 2015-2016, how it really took off in the second season, mm. and and so I guess. Some of us may have been a little bit influenced by that and thinking, well, this this season's going to be a a season of we're going to see all of those things that you just described, but some of them may not work. Um, but next season we're going to see them again, and they start and they and they you know they work more effectively. I guess it, it's it's an it's an odd one because you felt at times during the season that um, we saw more of those things. You know, as as the season went along, um, kind of by by mid season, you you started to see a, a few more jet sweeps. Um, you started to see, you know, like the play, the the Vitali play that you were describing, the the long um, pass where he ran the circle route down the left sideline for forty odd yards or whatever whatever it was. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things you started to see, and then it seemed to, for whatever ever reason, just seemed to ebb away again. Um, and, and I don't know whether that's partly because as you get to the, towards the, you know, the money end of the season, um, you get, you get tighter, you get, you know, you, you're in a situation where you, you're afraid to make mistakes. So you call less of that stuff. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it was a complete mixed bag. Yeah. I, I kind of understand it too, because it happens to me. And here's a great analogy for you. But, you know, did you ever go to your like favorite coffee shop? And I know you're a coffee connoisseur uh, like me or McDonald's. Let's go there. Let's drag it down. I do love a good old greasy McDonald's. But did you ever go and like you're hungry or thirsty and you're kind of thinking, I'd love to try something new on the menu. But I actually, I really want a coffee right now. So I'm just going to stick to my usual, you know. And then every time you do it, it's like, do you know what? I'd love to do that and all, but I think I'll just stick to my usual. And you kind of think at the end of the season, is he just sticking to his usual? Does he look at it and go, this is the record we have. This is how tight it is at the top. This was what's on the line. So to have the balls to do it is that you're kind of like, okay, I'd love to, to try that trick play. However, I, I might try that for another time. Let's just let's just do what we need to do. And the fact is, Pete, as well, let's face it, the, the Packers were never really in a position. We either went up early 
and then they started to allow the other team to claw their way back in or the game was pretty tight and we had to try you know win it at the end like case in point the Lions so we couldn't try this type of stuff the only games that we could potentially have done that in was probably the Raiders game uh, it was the only one that actually felt comfortable in all season so maybe that's what it got to that it's kind of like your favorite coffee you know like peach or your you know your coconut latte with almond milk with fit with, with no foam you know that type of thing you know your usual where you're kind of like you know I what think- I'm gonna go for that again am I letting out the secret I here think- about you <laughs> no but I think there's a lot I think there's a lot of truth not a lot of truth in that um, the the offense never really consistently had any momentum, you know. Even I was going to say from game to game, but even within games, yeah. and you just described it. You know, there were a number of games where the Packers would come out and score in their first drive, or score in a second drive, get up seven to nothing, and, and um, and maybe get up ten to nothing, or be up at at the half, and and. The, the momentum just just was never there. So there were never games where they, they came out and scored, got the ball back, went out and scored again, got the ball back, went out and scored. You never, the offense was never in that kind of rhythm. You know, it, it clearly felt like the offense was more successful in the scripted plays um, in the first 15 or 20 plays of each game across the season as a whole. That's where they seem to have most success, consistent success on on offense, and I don't know whether there's something in that or not, um, but I, I, I just think they did. They never got into. They never got into that rhythm, and I think when that happens, you tend to, as you just described, Steve. I think you tend to fall back on the stuff. Fall back, not fall back. Fall back onto <laughs> the onto the onto the stuff that you are more confident with, the stuff that you've practiced more, the stuff that you know that. You know the eight or ten plays or whatever it may be that that you're most confident are going to pick you up the pick you up the yards. Yeah, and that's the thing. It sort of happened with Matt Lafleur, uh, but also happened with Aaron Rodgers, right? I think it's true to say. Now we did a podcast where you know people were moaning about uh, Devontae Adams and the fact that he was back, and now Aaron Rodgers can't look anywhere else but Devontae Adams. There was definitely an element of that. In the game in question, I think it was the second game Devontae was back. The first game he came back, he was a world beater. Then the second game, we just couldn't get it clicking on offense. So, of course, uh, the Boo Birds turn on Aaron Rodgers and say, oh, he's trying to target Devontae Adams. We looked into it, and in fact, that game, for me anyway, uh, proved that if we hadn't got Devontae Adams, we were screwed because he was the only wide receiver that was actually getting open despite extra attention. Um, but then later in the season, there was definitely instances, and, um, you know, we see all of the film breakdown guys on Twitter. Uh, ben Fennell is a absolute favorite of mine on The Athletic where he was breaking down the fact that there was so many guys open at the time, but Aaron Rodgers was going back to Devontae Adams. That's a problem, Peter, isn't it? I mean, the fact that he's doing that and in game time situations, you have a coach trying to fall back on certain plays that he's comfortable with. And then you have Aaron Rodgers doing the same with players that he's comfortable with. And surely the only tonic and solution to that is, is to have a legitimate tight end who can get separation and isn't as slow as a bag of rocks and then or get a, get a second wide receiver um, who Brian Gutekunst came out and said, and by the way, Gutekunst is not a dirty word. OK, we can say this. It's fine. It's his name. It's, it's like Christian Fuchs, okay? F-U-C-K-S means fox in German. Fuchs, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You're not going to get, you're not, put a your in the, in the swear jar. That's all I'm saying. So, Gutekunst came out and said that, you know, they were going to take a splash 
for a wide receiver number two. Somewhat really dynamic, but it didn't come off and the value wasn't there, which is what we looked into. Now, you have a a guy on Twitter that you put us on to, uh, Ken Ingalls, uh, which is always good for salary cap stuff. So when they start touting Odell Beckham Jr., we went and just got onto Ken's thing and he was able to put everybody straight. But Pete, that's the tonic for everything like because you kind of discussed it as well that yeah where you were talking about does defense win championships can you ever talk about the defense being bad because they're kind of put there by a poor offense and then it sort of self-perpetuates so when you look at the likes of this everything kind of feeds into everything else with nfl that's why it's so exciting do you think that a second wide receiver is going to be brought in a free agency does that make sense do you think do you believe in the fact that because you're a big college guy that there's an awful lot of wide receivers in the draft and third question to lump in at you all together, bro, is that do you think that would be kind of a nice healthy tonic for the Packers to have a good tight end or Jay Sternberger steps up, let's face it, um, or a good wide receiver. And if you get one or two pieces on offense, then everything sort of blooms and blossoms at the same time, if you will accept that analogy. No, I think that I think that's right. That, they have to get a second receiver that, that Aaron Rodgers will trust. Um, whether that's whether that's a wide receiver, whether that's a slot guy, whether that's a tight end, or all of the above, preferably, but um, they have to get a second one that Aaron Rodgers will trust. Because you're absolutely right, you know, Ben Fennel and those guys break the tape down. There are receivers open. Some of the separation. I, I think Jimmy Graham had a higher level of separation than any other tight end in the league this past year. Now. That, that that's difficult to believe, but but for those people that have broken that stuff down, that's that apparently is the case. And for, for whatever reason, and you know, we're not in those in those rooms, and we're not in Aaron's head. Is is he has to throw he has to throw the ball to those guys that that are getting open. And when we talk about getting open in the NFL, that's not a yard of separation. That's a half yard separation. That's less than a half yard separation in in, in in, in the NFL and I, it's he clearly won't throw to the guys that, that he doesn't that he doesn't trust unless they're wide wide open and I, I don't I don't know what what the background to that is other than it, it just becomes more and more apparent that he has guys that he likes and guys that he doesn't he doesn't entirely trust so we've got to we've got to I think help him there by getting that second receiver or a or a tight end, and and you have to assume that that Jimmy Graham's not coming back. I I would I would guess uh, it seems to be kind of you know kind of a mixed bag of news in that in that area. Gooty was kind of hinting at his end of season presser that that you know he was keen that, that Jimmy Graham came back then. Jimmy Graham put out a, a tweet where it kind of indicated, you know, he was talking almost in the past tense about his career and what have you, that kind of indicated that he was going to retire. And then there was kind of indications that maybe he wasn't going to retire. And I don't know, but it, but it, it just feels like um, they've got to get that second receiver. Jay Sternberger may be the, may be the guy at tight end. We, we just haven't seen enough of him. You know, he spent nearly the whole season injured, um, came back for the last few games, caught that touchdown in the in the um, championship game. Um, you know, there's nothing that we've seen on the field from Sternberger that says, yeah, he's going to suddenly break out and have 65 catches next year. But having said that, we also have to put a bit of trust in the in 
in in what's going on in practice and stuff like that and the packers and and those guys that see him every single day yeah and you know they'll know whether they think he's ready to be to be the man and next year's year yeah it's an important point as well about um jimmy graham and his separation and then people are looking into his speed and just how important the tight end position was because i did a bit of digging and if we look into the packers receiving stats you know head and shoulders above everybody else is Devontae adams 997 he's effectively double what anybody else is alain lazar uh, comes in with 477 Again, I would proffer that an awful lot of those yardage were kind of chunk yardage. He, he, you know, he was there. He was pretty clutch in a couple of games, uh, but certainly not sustainable as a number two. I wouldn't imagine. Um, Aaron Jones is our third best wide receiver in the sense that he's not. Uh, but a receiving target, 474 yards. And we look down at Jimmy Graham, uh, 447. So... As you alluded to, Brian Gutekunst saying, you know, kind of read between the lines, and we are body language experts here at UK Packers. And I don't expect Jimmy Graham to come back because it's 8 million quid in cap space that we're going to save. So I reckon that we cut him loose because his, you know, the productivity that he's generating, you would imagine that they would expect Jay Sternberger to make that step up. Now, as you said, is there any evidence for that? No. Um, And Gutekunst even came out and said he's a lot to learn. He's only played, what what was that, one year at Texas A&M? Am I right in saying so, you know, you'd expect him to come back and, and to do something. But, you know, you can probably pick up something in the draft or whatever. Now, I see all this stuff about that they have to bring Mercedes Lewis back because of the blocking. Now, when you look at the two teams that have reached the Super Bowl, there's one thing that stands out amongst both of them. Um, You know, a good run game, I guess, is one of them. Uh, Jimmy G didn't have to do a whole lot against us. But the number one thing that stands out to me is tight end play. And in fact, on both teams in the Niners and the Kansas City Chiefs, the top receiver for both teams has been their tight end. Now, it's very easy to say because both teams have the best tight ends in the game. George Kittle for the San Francisco 49ers and Travis Kelsey for the Kansas City Chiefs. But the thing is, these lads' numbers are just astronomical. George Kittle, 1,053 yards. He has more yards than our top wide receiver. Um followed up the rear by uh, Debo Samuel with 802 yards. And again, he had a dynamite couple of games at the end of the season and really came into his own and people started to pay attention. On the opposite side then for the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, 1,229 yards. Compared to Jimmy Graham's 400 uh, is paltry. And then, of course, Tyree Kill, who's a whole different weapon, with 860. But the thing is, Pete, with these two offences... And particularly the Kyle Shanahan one with the Niners, which, you know, Matt LaFleur is supposed to model himself on. We heard that the tight end and the fullback is going to be a big part of his offense. We just couldn't get it going with the tight end. Whatever about injuries and sort of, you know, big dog not getting too many uh, touchdowns, Jimmy Graham not being a target, having some key drops at the same time. We don't have the tight end to make this kind of offense work. If the offense is predicated on good tight end play, it certainly helps for God's sake. So I think a big step up would be tight end. We really need to focus on that. We're definitely wide receiver as well, but tight end seems to be a large part of offensive success. Yeah, and there's a chicken and there's a chicken and egg thing there with 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 the tight ends. I mean, I, I know that you know Aaron Rodgers and, and Jimmy Graham clearly had a a good personal relationship, um, but you know if if the play calling was you know the progression of the routes that was called may have may have you know I don't know. 80% of the time, 90% of the time been, been where Adams was the primary receiver. 
then, then for all we know that by the time you know, by the time Aaron's looked back to his second or third read, and we don't know whether the tight end's the second or the third or the fourth read, read in a particular on a particular play, that that the separation at the tight end had has, has already gone at that point. Um, so you know we don't know how much of it is play calling and how much of it is is play execution. But what I will say, if they're, if they're calling a lot of plays where Adams is the is the prime is the primary receiver. They're probably calling them a yes because Adams is, is is a super receiver, but also b because they don't have ultimate faith in in the tight end or the other receiver get getting open. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg. If if you can get that tight end as if you as you've just described a, a Kittle, a, a Travis Kelsey, a Zacher, it's that type of tight end, then all of a sudden that guy might become the primary receiver, or he, or he becomes you know, equal primary receiver with Adams and all of a sudden you're, op- you're opening up the off the offense. So I tend to agree with you there. And it's, it's interesting when you look back over the last few years and the, the Packers really haven't had a, a, a receiving threat at tight end since I guess you Michael Finley. How dare you say that name? How dare you? <laughs> it's still a dirty, so, it's a dirty word here. So, so, so you're talking about, I guess, 2011, probably. Uh, I think that was probably his last year. And, and interestingly enough, of course, he was injured for most of the Super Bowl year in 2010. Yeah. So even in that Super Bowl year, they didn't have that threat. But um, Packers haven't seemed to have one for a, a long, long time. And then and then you'll get people complaining that that, that Rodgers doesn't use the middle of the field, et cetera, et cetera. Well, like I say, there's a bit of a chicken and egg there. You, you know, you've got to have the guys um, that he trusts um, getting open. So... I would I would be happy, Steve, if they got a either a either a, a super tight end or a um, a good second wide receiver. And as you said, there's lots of those guys in the in in the draft. Um, the only thing I would say about that wide receiver, what we don't want is more of what we've already got. Yeah. So if you look at the likes of Alan Alan Lazard and MVS, they're big six foot four, six foot five, long striding guys who take quite a good. Now MVS has got world class speed, but it but it takes a long time for him to hit hit that speed. Um, so what we don't have is that is that threat at, at twelve yards, that threat at ten yards that's going to pick up the first downs and then and then break those you know those seven yard slants for a sixty yard score. Hmm. We don't have that guy, and that's the type of um, second wide receiver that I that I would be looking for. Like I said to the Packers on my podcast, and we know they listen. For Christ's sake, Cooper Cup. He was there for the take. Uh, you know, white lightning number two. He was right there. Uh, DK Metcalf was on the board as well. But anyway, let's not get into like what we missed. And surely Pete coming across a Travis Kelsey um, is easy. You know what I mean? They're out there. They're dime a dozen. <laughs> Travis Kelsey's, uh, you know, sure every lad I meet on the streets of Travis Kelsey. And don't get me started on George Kittle. I mean, that guy's ever. George Kittle, in fact, has actually the worst banter I've ever heard. Um, do you ever hear him try to make funny jokes and be over funny on the microphone, Pete? Are you a fan of his stand-up comedy? Um, I've I've seen him, I've seen him a few times. I just I just let it go, Steve. It's the worst, Pete. It's the <laughs> worst. Thank God he's good at playing football because his banter is absolutely muck. Um, so let's talk about quarterback because there's an awful lot of talk on the group uh, and if anyone wants to be in that group uh, go to ukfacebook.com forward slash UK Parkers there's a private group you can get into and talk all sorts of nonsense and have a nice debate quarterback so we've already discussed that Aaron Rodgers um, 
you know, has a tendency sometimes to, to go for the one receiver. But what I will say there is, it's Devontae Goddamn Adams, all right? This guy's an absolute hero. He makes Ocho Cinco cry and not over McDonald's. Um, you know, this guy's footwork is absolutely sensational. And the fact that we got as far as we did with one legit wide receiver, um, with a tight end sort of coming up with clutch plays when we needed it, I guess. You know, Jimmy Graham is very important in that sort of, you know, playoff stretch. Um, and also Aaron Jones, who's been on revelation. Uh, but the fact that, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers and those guys, and we've we've done pretty well. And then we've sort of had big part players coming in. But with Aaron Rodgers, there's an awful lot of debate about, you know, his legacy and who we bring in behind. So the question there remains, Pete, and we did discuss it a couple of weeks ago. Drafting a quarterback, um, is it a yay or nay? And is there a value where we sit usually in the draft to try pick a guy up in the second and third round? Now, I know it's very easy to look at guys like Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson and all these people who are, you know, Tom Brady is the most famous of God snooze uh, about value for money and all that kind of good stuff. But you spoke about it, didn't you? The Packers tendency to draft quarterbacks. Do they do it this year? Is there any point in doing it this year? And do we need to look for a successor almost now? Yeah, so I think that, I think Goody kind of hinted at this as well. I, I think that I, I've always been in favour of drafting quarterbacks round four, round five, that kind, that kind of thing, mm. and de- and developing a guy and seeing where that goes. I've always been in favour of that, and and I have no problem with doing that almost every year, because um, more often than not, with those 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 guys, you you end up trading the guy away if necessary for a similar similarish draft pick to the one that you spent. Um, if you happen to hit on one, then you've either got perhaps your start of the future, or you 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 you've got a a guy that you can trade away for a lot higher draft pick like, later on, a Jimmy Garoppolo or that type of that type of situation. Um, so I'm, I've I've always been in in favour of that. Um, the the Aaron Rodgers thing is interesting because you know, he's got four years left on his on his contract. The next two years are huge in terms of what the dead cap number would be if they wanted to release him or trade him. I'm not suggesting that they should, but I'm just, if that were to happen. So, so that's actually a no go, you know, there's no conceivable way um, to do that really uh, and manage your salary cap at the same time. So I think realistically, you know, he's going to be the pack of starter in 2020 and 2021. And I think he wants to play the, the whole of this contract if i if i'm honest so i think he's going to want to play the next the next four years if not longer is it time for the packers to draft the quarterback in in round one i don't think so unless unless there's a guy that that for some reason they just feel that they can't turn down uh but i i i and i know that they supposedly had designs on or they liked drew lock last year um but but liking a guy and that guy being the guy that you want to draft are two completely different things. You know, I'm, I'm sure if we were at an inside track on on Goody's draft board, such as it is right now, there'd be a whole bunch of quarterbacks on it. But that but that doesn't mean that those are the guys that he wants to he wants to draft. It's just those are the good players that he likes. I think I think it's probably a year too early to be drafting a quarterback in round one as your kind of eventual su- successor but I would I would take one in 
in the middle rounds, assuming there's value for one. So, you, yeah. you know, you're not going to reach for a guy, but assuming there's a guy sitting there in the, in the third, fourth, fifth round, then I, then I, then I certainly would, would take one. And, and let's face it at the very least, you're expecting that guy to come in and, and win the backup job. Um, and, and you kind of see where, see where it goes from there. The whole, just going back to, to, to Aaron Rodgers, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing and his level of play is so difficult. It's really, really difficult to get on top of. Um, and, and I think it's one of those situations where if you determine how you feel about it, you can find the numbers or the film or whatever to support the stance that you, that you want to take, you know? So, so, so if you, if you feel like, well, he's, almost finished he's not the player he was and, and and all of that kind of thing then you could absolutely pull out you know his completion percentage which was the second lowest of his career this year you know is 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 qbr which was the lowest of his career you could pull those numbers out and have those support your argument on the other hand you could pull out some of the film you can only you can go back two or three weeks um to the seattle game um and look at the film of that game and he played as well there as he's played in you know, I think in three or four years, probably. Certainly, you know, he made the plays when they had to have them, and 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 some of his throws were were, were just fantastic in that game. So I think you can find what you want to find, depending on 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 where your stance is around around Rogers. I I I I just try and look at it that he's not the player he was when he won when they won the Super Bowl in 2010 and when he won the MVP in 2011. But that's understandable. That's ten years ago. That they, you know, nine, ten years ago. But, 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 but saying that he's not that player doesn't mean that I'm saying you can't win with him because I believe that you can. They've just been to the NFC Championship game, so, you know, it's okay for him not to be the top quarterback in the league. It's okay for him to be in, in. I don't know the five to ten range, or the or even the the five to twelve or fifteen range. That's okay. You can win with that guy. Let's 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 make no bones about it. You can win a Super Bowl with that with that guy. Yeah, you see, the thing is, it's it's sort of frustrating too. Like when I look at the likes of Patrick Mahomes and you know Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson and all of these players. Some of them have an awful lot in common in the sense that they run around an awful lot. Now, what you can expect, you know, an older Aaron Rodgers to do. Um, is one thing and the fact that we've seen him run around and we've seen him get clobbered and we've seen him being dumped out and we've seen what happens to us um, you know win wise when that happens so you wouldn't want them to do it but sometimes these other teams make it look so easy you look at it and you're like oh, oh my god like it's just touchdown after touchdown it's just dropping bombs everywhere it's clever play design it's playing with the players you have if that makes sense and calling plays for those players that you have and not just going for these sort of you know there was one game in particular in the season, Pete, wasn't there, where we were going for just third down bombs? Yeah, and I think that's, and I think you've just described it brilliantly. I mean, you have to, you have to call the plays for the players that you've got. So, um, you know, if you look at, at the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, we, we love to see Patrick Mahomes throwing those 70 yard bombs. But how often do you see him throw a seven yard pass to Tyreek Hill and Hill turns that into a 60 yard score and it looks fantastic and, and exciting? We don't have that Tyreek Hill player. Yeah, you know, if you had that guy, then it opens it opens stuff up for for other players. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, we can't expect Aaron Rodgers to be 
Patrick Mahomes or to or to be um, a strong out outside the pocket as Russell Wilson is. Mm. Um, but that's why you have to play within within the system, within the realms of what of what you can and can't do, and, and the offense that you've got. Yeah, and that's just what we're going to have to get used to. Now we get more playmakers, and you know this offense comes alive. But I do like the narrative change, and I do like the dynamic shift. And I do think it could all be happening at the right time. And I know it sounds like probably during this podcast that we're saying we don't have enough weapons and we're all crap. And that's not what we're saying. Um, You know, we have some fantastic players. However, the narrative around Green Bay for quite some time has been Mike McCarthy's play calls are stale. Him and Aaron Rodgers do not get along. Aaron Rodgers knows best and he rolls his eyes um when a play call is coming in we've heard that from martellus bennett and mercedes lewis to the point where i was actually surprised they brought big dog back into the offense because of what he was saying on that interview i don't think he even felt himself that he was coming back um and i do feel like aaron Rodgers is a cerebral guy and not only is he one of the smartest guys in the room he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room you know it's he knows his intellect let's say um, so I think he thinks very highly of that type of stuff as well. And power to him. It must be hard to be sort of, you know, shoehorned into having one interest. And that, that's all that anybody ever wants to talk about, which is why Aaron Rodgers went on that podcast where he didn't talk football really at all. He just talked aliens and all this type of stuff. So I like it the fact that Matt LaFleur has gone into a second year. He's going to be more comfortable. He's going to bring in more guys that he wants. And he's, you know, hopefully going to be more of a sort of a presence in the locker room. And we'll stop saying, did a good job. That, that needs to end. I'm going to do a mega mix for that too, Pete. So I think, <laughs> you know, he'll be coming into his own. So if it's a case where Aaron Rodgers is seen on tape to be going to Adams and to be, you know, shirking the responsibilities of going through his reads or looking elsewhere. Well, then I think Matt LaFleur will be able to say to him, right, you know, our first year in the offense, that was fine. However, this is all the things you did wrong and all the things you missed and what we need to improve on. And that they'll be able to have that working relationship where he'll be able to show him, you know, time and time again, if it shows up on the tape. And that Aaron Rodgers now has an awful lot to prove because as you alluded to his stats, and we know for a fact in the past because he said it, that he was very conscious of his stats and how much he turns the ball over and his interception ratio and all this type of stuff. Whereas this is the first season where he felt himself, well, screw it, you know, I'll just do what's best for the team. And his stats showed it. Now, for a guy with an ego like Aaron Rodgers, and I don't mean that in a bad way, everybody has an ego in this game. I have an ego, you have an ego. The fact that he has an ego as big as he does and he cares about his stats, he's not going to want to let that continue, right? So I think it's the perfect time for this union of Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to march into the second year of their partnership. But Aaron Rodgers with a lot to prove, Matt LaFleur assisting the bed down a little bit more for them to add more weapons, and it could come all together in 2020. Could it turn to hash in a handbasket? Probably, Pete. Could. Who knows? But the thing is, I think it's poised for success. Well, yeah, I think I think I think that a lot of the a lot of the ingredients are there, Stephen. And I, I guess it's the same old same old quandary when you have an all time great player. And let's make no bones about it. Aaron Rodgers is an all time great at a quarterback position. Is how does that player handle, and how does the system handle? How does the offense handle? Um, him getting older, maybe not being able to do some of the things that he could do previously, etc. And you know, and that's happened with all of the great ones, the the the, the Montanas, the Johnny Unitas, all of those guys. Um, Brett Favre. I think that's the big 
unknown for me in going into 20 into 2020 is you know in 2018 a lot of it was as you if you talked about you know the the, the offense wasn't that su- successful because McCarthy's system was stale etc 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 and then you come to 2019 and you've got this new system new coach new offense and and your stats are very broadly exactly the same as they were the previous year um and you and you've got them in a slightly different way you've got more rushing yards from 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 Aaron Jones but if but if you look at the 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 passing stats you know Rodgers actually threw for less yards this year than than previously but but the numbers are very very similar you know you look at the touchdown to interception ratio completion percentage they're all in the same ballpark as they were the previous year and so the argument about offensive being stale is now a year old that's stale in itself and so you know two years on from that 2020 becomes key doesn't it because it's it's the second year of Lafleur's offense as, as we've talked about and and this is the year that it almost has to all come together yeah um and my proviso on that, and, and this we need a caveat, if you like, we need to be careful about is the Packers can be a better team in 2020 and still not win 13 games. Yeah. You know, if the Packers go 11 and five, yes, from a record perspective, it looks worse than 2020, but they could actually be a better all round team and not win as many games. Yeah. Cause I mean, you'd look at the roster um, or sorry, you look at the schedule this year and you'd sort of think, you know, kind of got some easy games you know in fairness when they come up against it there was some opponents where you'd be like oh that, that's going to be a better game but then they didn't show up the Chiefs yep. Patrick Mahomes injured you know and you yep. come up against that team and I'll take the win and I'll say fair play to them you can Absolutely. only play the opponent that's in front of you yes. and, and all of that type of stuff but as you say I mean you can have tougher opponents improved squads um, and you could have a better style of play some better stats but a worse record yeah, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, and you know, and the Chiefs is a great is a great example of it. it's not just about who you play, but it's when you play them. Yeah, and you know, let's say let's say Christian McCaffrey had scored. And I keep going back to this one. Had scored, and 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 the Panthers had gone for two and beaten the Packers at the end of that game, and the Packers' record was now twelve and four rather than thirteen and three. By you know, the length of a football doesn't suddenly make them a hugely worse team. You know they're still the same team. They just happen to have uh, have not stopped Christian McCaffrey a quarter of a yard short of the goal line. You know, and and I just th- I just think that when you look at all of the stats for the for the season and the number of game close games that the Packers won, we have to be realistic and say in a in a, in a normal season you don't win that percentage of close games. Mm. Is that a skill? Is that dare I say it, a little bit of luck involved, because I think there's a, always a piece of luck involved in in a sport. Is it somehow or other that the Packers were able to have some kind of mental fortitude that when the games got close, you know, that kicked in and they were stronger in those close games? I, I don't know what it was, but you just can't expect to win eight out of nine or nine out of ten one-score games season in, season out. Yeah. And like, look at the Lions games. We're what the first team since 1974 or something <laughs> silly to win the game outside of regulation, even though there was no overtime. So Mason Crosby kicks a a field goal to end the buzzer um, and to win the game, which is just crazy. So had he missed one of those, which is, you know, quite possible in certain conditions. Well, then there you go. 
we've just dropped to that record that you said, um, you know, 11 wins. Absolutely. So I, th- so I think it's really important to just have a perspective on that that says if they happen to win 11 rather than 13 games, let's not all then jump to the conclusion that they're a worse team than they were in, in, 20, in 2019. Because I, I don't I don't believe that's the case, and I think that you know it, it's it's about getting on a roll at the right at the right times the right times of the season, just like the 49ers have have done, and the Chiefs, you know the Chiefs early in the season, yes, Mahomes was out injured, but whatever were were sitting at a so-so record after you know five or six games, but but they they got on a roll, and I just think that it's just important to have a, to have that have that perspective, and and also understand that. Second year of the offense, the offense might 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 be better, but also you've got other teams now. They're not going to sleep on Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and 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 those guys. You know, re- realistically, is Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith going to have 26 sacks between them every season? Realistically, yeah. The chances are the answer is no. Now they may do. I absolutely hope they don't. They have thirty, but the chances are realistically that 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 they're not. So other guys have to have to step up. But yeah, you know, I I'm just I'm just really confident that even if their record isn't as good in 2020, and it might be better. I'm not saying it won't be, but even if it isn't, that they'll actually be a better team in 2020 than they were in 2019. Yeah, I think the ingredients are there. But look, there's an awful lot to be said about it. I think. A nice poignant moment was something that Aaron Rodgers said um, during the season and a credit to him to come up with this analysis at this time, especially under these uh, questioning. So let's just listen to what he had to say. I think John Madden once said two cheeks equals one hand. I don't know. I think there's an an argument. You can't say that on national TV. So there you go. Uh, That was Troy Aikman again with two cheeks equal to one hand. Uh, Uh, you know, I could have come up with some audio for Aaron, but I didn't want it. So anyway, um, back to your regular schedule program. We love, we love, we love Troy and Joe Buck, don't we? We do, yeah. I think we can start calling him Joe Butt, uh, just because you know it's it's a bum joke. But um, yes, no, he, no, in all fairness, Joe Buck's pretty good on baseball. <laughs> do you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't mind the guys too much. I guess as long as we're not playing, you know, Dallas, because then it gets painful. Um, Pete, you know, we're past the hour mark now on the podcast. Um, we've had a whale of a time. You know, this is supposed to be like a 20 minute, 15, 20 minute podcast. Let's break it down, you know, let's talk about it. But, you know, some good stuff in there. We could talk about the O-line, uh, but I think we leave that for <laughs> another day at this stage. You know, although people do want more. You know, they're listening going, you can give me some more of that because they've got a long commute. But anyway, I think we park it there. Um, so the Super Bowl party's happening in London. We're hooking up with the Gridiron guys. We're... Um, following all their good coverage that they have going on over in the States. Some nice videos and stuff that we're tweeting at for your viewing pleasure. So we're going to go to their Super Bowl party. So by all means, pop down and meet us there. Uh, also follow Instagram at UK Packers. Me personally at the Paddy Packer. Uh, Peter doesn't have one yet, but he's going to start a donut related Instagram <laughs> <laughs> full of childhood pics of him eating donuts for breakfast after this podcast there is no doubt but if you want to follow me on Twitter it's at NFL, and of course Peter at IT Hedgehog and if you want to support us and this is coming from a man who's been working 15 hour days if you want to support us 
in our endeavors with the Packers. Uh, well, then we give you a free T-shirt wherever you are in the world for that pleasure. So if you donate a fiver a month, after six months, we collect all that money that you've paid us. We pay for your T-shirt and postage and we send it out to you. And if you choose to donate after that point, it is very much appreciated to keep the lights on in this place. It's patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. I repeat, patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. Why do I repeat? Because we've got 13 patrons. So there you go. Anyway, there you go. That's it. That's the podcast. We're with you throughout the off-season. Pete, anything left to say or forever hold your peace? No, no, nothing nothing to add, Steve. There you go. From me, Pete, and always remember, uh, this is, you know, this is the year that Bobby Dillian got uh, voted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame despite having no eyes and only one leg. But there you go. That's the official Pro Football Hall of Fame stats. But from me, at NFL, from him, at IT Hedgehog, we'll be back next week. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.